Welcome to the Testimony Word broadcast from the Cupid's House Chapel International. Our mission is to bring healing, transformation, and meaning to the lives of people in different societies with the good news of Jesus Christ. When you allow yourself to grow in a relationship with Him, you start getting filled up. When you are full of the Spirit, eh, you will be restrained and constrained from doing some things that are not of honest report. God's servant delivers the word of truth with clarity, simplicity, and dexterity. Here is Pastor Francis Aubin proclaiming God's mind to you today. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, we are grateful unto you. We thank you that your word is anointed and your word is blessed to bless us. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. We want to start our teachings this morning from Matthew chapter 2 verse 8 to 11. The Bible said, and he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child, and when ye have found him, bring me word again, that I may come and worship him also. When they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star, which they saw in the east, went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy, Verse 11, and when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, which were gold and frankincense and men. So we are dealing with pitfalls of true servants, part two. In the part one, we learned so many things. Key thing we learned there is that Every true servant must have the consciousness and the orientation that even when you have a righteous motive, you will still be faced with certain temptations that could make you end up as a disloyal servant. God is our ultimate protector, but loyalty is what protects the work of God and also sustains the progress of the work of God. Loyalty also is what protects God's servant, God's men, the men of God who have been given the vision to lead the kingdom agenda here on earth. It is what protects them and what also sustains them and makes them relevant in the course of time. Now imagine a man of God who doesn't have loyalists around, around them for the vision God has given him. That's why in the first part we said that if you are a leader and you don't have loyal servant, you have nothing. You don't have men at all. Your resources, your wealth are in your men. And not just any other men. Your wealth are in the quality and the dedication of the men around you. Indeed, if your men who start with you are vain men and they remain vain in the course of your journey, you are going to be a vain leader. So with David, he guarded vain men. Jephthah guarded vain men. But eventually they became mighty men for David. And mighty men, one key feature of mighty men is loyalty. Without loyalty, we are chasing after the wind and the kingdom business will not be fulfilled. So here in this Matthew chapter 2, we have used the characteristics of the three wise men, which is normally referred to as the Magi from the East, to depict the way true servants should serve. 
the way true servants should behave. And for me, when I look at them in the scripture, I see loyalty being the core of their behavior, of their operation. And so we are going to still continue to glean from their activities and their behavior around their quest to see Jesus, to worship him, and the temptations they came, came up with when Herod and his council sought to deceitfully bribe them into showing them where baby Jesus was so that they could go under the guise of worship to destroy him. But these people passed the test. It's a sign that you and I, we could also pass the test. And that is why this teaching is very important because what you don't know is what destroys your quest. And so when you set out that I'm a loyalist for Jesus Christ, loyal to Christ, loyal to the kingdom, loyal to my church, loyal to my pastor, and you don't know these things, you'll be entrapped by the snare of the temptations that come the way of every true servant and you might fail. So may you never fail as you serve God and as you serve your man of God. And I'm excited when I'm sharing loyalty because it's the core thing. Someone said none of us was called to be successful. We were called to be faithful. And the word faithful also means loyal. And so it's important that we glean from here. So what are the pitfalls? What are the things that could make a true servant become a disloyal operator? Now, the scripture we read says that Herod invited them privily and gave them a mission. So, true servant can have an evil mission in a deceptive way. The mission was, from verse 8 to 11, it said, and he sent them. Can you imagine that? These people had a heart to follow the born king, the baby king, the Messiah, the pastor. And I told you, Jesus represents the kingdom of God. He represents ministry. He represents the pastor, the leader. So they had the heart to follow him. And Herod now called them and sent them and said they should go and search for the young child. And when they have found him, they should bring again word unto him that he will go and worship him. Now, let me tell you that there is always the vulnerable part of every leader. Here you see that Herod did not send them to go and look for the mature Jesus. He sent them to go and look for the young child. That means that Jesus was vulnerable. He was not in a position to protect himself. And that is what every leader in the course of your journey you will go through. And now, when you are in those vulnerable states of your leadership, of your ministry, and your supposed loyal men are sent by an evil person to come and search for you in your vulnerable state, you are in trouble. The only thing that delivers you is when your loyalists or when the servants around you have the sensitivity, the spirituality, the wisdom and the knowledge to say that even when we have discovered him in the manger in his most vulnerable state, we are not exposing him to danger in the eyes of all the people who are looking for him. If you are a leader and you don't have this, you are in trouble. Look at verse 11. Very beautiful verse there. And when they were come into the house, 
they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold, frankincense, and men. So here we see that they had come to the house. They saw the baby Jesus. They saw the mother who was obviously also weak. They saw the dad who could not be so strong to protect them. And the Bible said, when they saw Jesus, they saw him in the manger. So here, the first pitfall that every loyal servant, right? The first pitfall that every loyal servant is going to encounter is the pitfall of familiarity. That's the first pitfall. Why am I saying that every true servant will have a pitfall of familiarity? You will have the pitfall of familiarity because normally when you look at your initial purpose for coming around the space of the leader, your zeal, the honor, the value, the virtue you expect, all right? your enthusiasm for coming around the leader and you just oppose it with the time you, you, st- you stay with the leader, you find out that in most cases, you lose your first love, you lose your first initial purpose, and you begin to normalize yourself around the leader. And once you begin to normalize yourself around the leader, you normalize the leader and the virtue the leader can also give you. So let's look at verse 1. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judah... In the days of Herod, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, verse 2, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and we are come to worship him. So this is the enthusiasm, this is their spirit, this is their zeal, this is their vim. They are coming with honor, with value, and they wanted to come and worship him. Anybody who has worship in his mind as his initial start point has honor in his mind. So here they came with this purpose and in verse 11, they found themselves with Jesus. He was first and foremost a search. Now they found him and they saw him in the manger. And let me tell you that the manger was not a nice place. So these three wise men saw Jesus, baby Jesus, the leader, and they saw him in not a too glorious space. Right? When you have the opportunity to be exposed to the lowest and the unglorified state of your leader, what could happen to you is that you could normalize your service your virtue, your value, your honor for the leader because of what you are exposed to. Let me say it again. Access to the leader in his vulnerable state, in the manger, also in a space. You have an access to a place where it's not most glorified. It can make you become familiar. So the three wise men saw saw it as a privilege to see the king, the baby Jesus. And they saw it also as a privilege to see him in the manger. They came far from, they came from far to see him and they refused to trivialize the opportunity in the manger. You see, sometimes you really see men of God on telly 
You see your pastor from afar and you so glorify. Most people when they are not near any kind of leadership position, they so glorify and honor their pastor, honor their man of God. But once they are brought into some working position or some managerial position or some deaconship, eldership, you know, something that gives you a place around the leader. Once you now begin to see how the operations go and the disagreement and the disagreeing to agree and the way things go around the leader, people lose it. They lose it in the manger. So this man that were looking at him from far and wanted to worship him, is this where he is? Manger. Sometimes you are looking for a big ministry. Sometimes the ministry starts and it's smaller than the name of the man of God. It's smaller than the impact of the man of God. And when you come, you have to see it as a privilege to be around the man of God. It's an opportunity to be around the man of God. So here, the pitfall is forgetting the privilege of being in that serving position with our pastor for that season. You can be that person who have been given the opportunity. You came from far. The pastor was so glorious unto you. Now, you can forget that it's a privilege to be in that serving position with your pastor. And this is a privilege that many people have sought to have and they have not had. It's an opportunity. It's a chance that many people have sought to have and they have not had. You see, and familiarity is what makes you lose that privilege. It has a way of blindfolding or blinding you from seeing the privilege and the chance and opportunity which you had come from far to obtain. So when people get to catch the spirit of familiarity, they lose the privilege of the service. And once you lose the privilege of the service, you get closer to the pitfall of disloyalty. That's when you begin to trivialize. You begin to normalize. You begin to, you know, make worthless the opportunity, the privilege of the serving position. Now, if you look at verse 7 and 8 one more time, we find out that this opportunity that was given to the three wise men to be around Jesus, it was an opportunity that the people in the high places, Herod and his council, were seeking diligently to have. They were in a high place, they were in the palace, and they were seeking diligently, one, to know where the star would be born, and to know where he was at that particular time. It is a privilege for you as a servant to see the pastor, to know where he is, and to even know where the ministry, to be part of where this ministry is at this point in time. It's a privilege. Why? Because people in high places, noblemen, King Herod, his council, people who are held in high esteem, they have been searching diligently for this opportunity to see the pastor and to see, be part of the ministry, all right? <laughs> How be their negative motive, they were seeking diligently to have that opportunity. You and I have been given this opportunity by the grace of God. 
We have been given this serving opportunity to serve in a management team, to be part of the choir, to be part of the ashes, to be part of the protocol, to be part of the ministry at this point in time. It is a privilege that politicians have been looking for. I'm telling you, some of you see your pastors anytime you want to see them. Politicians book an appointment to see your pastors. And if you are not deep enough, you will lose that sense of privilege that God has given you. It's like being with your biological father and because of the father that is your biological father, you do not place value on who God has made that person in your life. But when he goes out there as an MD, he goes out there as a CEO, he goes out there as a minister, an MP, or whatever, in a functional capacity, you see that people really hold that person in high esteem. But as a son, you can lose it. That's why most sons lose their inheritance with their fathers. Because you, the familiarity makes you trivialize even the grace in your biological father. And that makes you lose your inheritance. So people from far are able to really receive from your pastor and you are not able to. And I will get there. Alright. So we normally forget that kings and noblemen, Herod and his council, in high places have sought diligently for that enviable opportunity to no avail. How many people are itching to sing in our church? To be ushers in our ministry? People call me all the time. They are in churches or they, are, they have talent, they have, but they are looking for a platform, an opportunity just to serve. When you are in your appointed place with your appointed pastor, every effort you are making will be improving your own destiny and ministry. You will not see it because it takes spirituality to see it. It is when you lose it that you will even find out that, look, becoming just an ordinary servant in your father's house, it's even a blessing and a privilege. The same thing happened to the prodigal son. He took his inheritance, went to a far country, blew it. He wanted to go away from the father and be his own man. But when he went to the far land and he saw that the value is where he left, so he, when he came back to his senses, he said, even the servant in my father's house. And when he came, his request is that he should be made like one of the ordinary common servants in the father's house. This is what familiarity can do to you. It can make you downgrade, degrade the opportunity God has given you because you are not seeing it. When he came back, he said, just make me like one of the servants. But now that you have the original opportunity and the chance, you might be playing around it, playing around the leader as if you are important. You know, when you are around the leader, the importance is not you. For instance, the importance between the church and Christ is on Christ. It's not on the church. The church is no more important than Christ. Because Christ is the bridegroom. Christ is the head of the church. Anytime you find yourself in a serving position, the importance is not on you. The value is not on you. The value is on the head. The value is on your pastor. You are who you are because of the head God has given you. Do you know that your stomach is not what makes you who you are? Your hand is not what makes you who you are. You see, all these, there are people who have machines in them that serve as intestines. Machine in them that serve as a heart, as a lung. I'm telling you, as a kidney. 
The people who have got prosthetic limbs, hand and legs, nose, ears. People have that. But you see, all these things, when they have defect, you could still be alive. Lose your head and see if you will still be alive. You are, you are not important because you are members of a party. You are important because of your head. And when you lose your head, you lose your life. Have you seen anybody whose head was cut off and he was still alive? But people can have accident, lose their leg and still be alive. He said, if I be lifted, I will draw all men. All right? Because he's the head. When you are also in a serving position, you are not the important person. You are singing and yet you are not the important person. You are praying and yet you are not an important person. And you, see, you can just be familiar because a pastor will draw the prayer leader closer. A pastor will draw the singers closer, the ashes, the pastors closer. But that doesn't make you that important. You have to know your level. You have to know the importance God attaches to you and the importance God attaches to his men. And see the privilege of the position you have been given to serve because people lose it. You lose it, you become all important. If I don't sing, church is not, you know, and people will let you feel like that. But it's not like that. I'm telling you that it's not like that. When you are sick and you don't come to church, church will be more powerful. When you are not in that position of serving, when you lose that privilege, I'm telling you, all right? So when you lose it, the person who replaced Judas was more effective and more pronounced in terms of his impact than Judas. Don't lose your place because of familiarity. You lose it, you will count your cost. All right? It's an enviable position. And you should love it. You should embrace it with two hands. Don't trivialize it. All right? So these wise men, they saw that it is a pitfall to be familiar. And when they went to the manger to see the baby, it's a baby, but yet we believe that it's our king. And we have come to worship him. In Matthew chapter 13 verse 54. And when he was come into his own country. He's talking about Jesus. He taught them in their synagogue. In so much that they were astonished. And said. Whence has this man this wisdom. And these mighty works. So here Jesus taught them. He had, they saw. They were surprised. They saw his wisdom. They saw his mighty works. Verse 55. It's not this the carpenter's son. It's not his mother called Mary. And his brethren James and Joseph and Simon and Judas. Hey. 56. And his sisters. Are they not all with us? Whence then has this man all these things? And they were offended in him. But Jesus said unto them. A prophet is not without honor. Save in his own country and in his own house. And he did not many mighty works because of their unbelief. He did not many mighty I intentionally left it there. I intentionally, because you see, the, the thing here is that we have stressed on he did not many mighty works. And we have also put a stress of their, on their unbelief. But we have not stressed on the there. The revelation is also in the there. The there is the place that there has to do with the people. It had to do with the capacity of the particular location, which encapsulated also the people within the location 
in receiving virtue from this man of mighty works, man of mighty wisdom, a man that used to astonish them when they began to dig into his family. His family. Is this not a carpenter's son? Is, is Mary not his mother? Are his brothers and sisters not here? When they began to dig into his foundation, they lost it. <laughs> they lost their aura of importance they used to gather around him. They lost their sensibility for his wisdom. And they began to trivialize the things he used to say to them. These were people who went to the synagogue to listen to him. And they were amazed at his wisdom. They were amazed at his mighty works. But once they started digging around, digging around, is he not a carpenter's son, background, age, maybe we are older than his brothers and sisters, family background, and all of that. They started becoming too familiar, and their familiarity created unbelief. Unbelief is, is, is the block of your spiritual channel to receive. Because in the spirit, what helps you to purchase any divine virtue is faith. So unbelief is faithlessness or is your inability to believe in what to believe. In fact, unbelief can make you enter into disbelief where you don't believe at all. Or unbelief can make you believe in the wrong thing instead of the right thing. And all these things will rob you of the virtue. Because the value you place on your man of God, on the ministry God has given you, will determine the virtue that will come out of it for you. So here we see that familiarity is normalizing. But here, in reality, it's actually trivializing what ought to be honored, valued, and highly esteemed until the channels for the transfer of their virtues unconsciously get blocked. And I'll say it again, because if I was a singer, I'll say, take it again. Familiarity is normalizing, but in reality, it's trivializing what ought to be honored, valued, and highly esteemed. Until the channels for the transfer of the virtue in the pastor, in the church, are unconsciously blocked from the person who is supposed to receive. So here, what it means is that when you are a servant, you are a true servant, you come around a pastor, you should always check yourself from entering into familiarity. You normalize your ministry. You don't prepare before you come. When you are meeting your pastor, some people are late. They see their leader and they don't run. But you can't do that in the bank. You see the CEO, you are late, you will run. You see your pastor, because familiarity is so what? <laughs> and once you do that, you are normalizing it. You are not having a pump, a spring in your, in your steps. To do what your pastor is instructing you to do. Is directing you to do. Sometimes even commanding you to do. God told Moses to tell Joshua that command the man. A pastor must have commanding abilities. Every leader, your boss, your manager in the office. He must have instructional abilities. He must have directional abilities. And he must have commanding abilities. When a leader loses their commanding ability, they have lost the aura of importance and their productivity will fall. Because it's like we are all friends. That's why when a leader starts um, boozing with people, he's not supposed to booze with. 
especially subordinate, they, they, they begin to trivialize the work and it's the company that suffers. Is that not so? When, when a CEO starts sleeping with a teller, the teller can make mistakes and still find confidence in the fact that it shall be overlooked. Alright, that's why leaders don't have to force themselves to go to certain levels at all times. If you're a leader, you must keep your distance where necessary. Be accessible, but also keep your distance. Because not every true servant has the wisdom to ward themselves of familiarity. And so, presenting yourself to them destroys them sometimes more than it helps them. Bible says, Jesus knew what was in the heart of men, so he did not commit himself unto them. He knew it. He knew that committing himself unto them all the time, you can't be in them playing all the time. If you are a leader, you cannot be doing that. And if you are a servant and your leader comes that close to you, wait for him to initiate the play before you join. Don't meet your leader with a play. Don't meet your leader with a hug. Don't meet your leader with a, with a, shall I give me a high five? What, what, what's the meaning of, do you meet your CEO with that kind of mentality? It's familiarity. You will see that you are getting familiar when you don't check yourself. As a true servant, it's powerful. And I'm feeling it already. Alright. But when you are doing that, you are trivializing what you ought to honor. There is anointing in this container. There is a treasure in this earthen vessel that God has ordained for you. Jeremiah 3.15, as a pastor, your pastor is also your blessing. It's your treasure of wisdom. It's your treasure of mighty works. By the hand of Paul, God did mighty works. The people saw Jesus and they said that, look at the wisdom. Your pastor is your wisdom. Your prophet is your prophet. Your covering would determine your coverage in life. So when you begin to familiarize with your decision, you lose something. You lose the honor. And you see, honor is what pulls supernatural virtue into your container as a servant. When a servant loses their honor, God said, if I'm a father, where's my honor? So familiarity is what will make you lose it. When you're listening to your pastor's tape, you don't pay attention to it again. You are losing it. Because you have had opportunity to meet Pastor Francis in person. You have spoken to him. And he even cried one or two jokes. So you that used to watch on television that you were really, really raving. You now came, sat in the church, had tapes, and now you have lost it. It's, it's, it's familiarity that makes you lose that thing. And if you are a true servant at heart, a sign of your loyalty is to uphold your honor for your pastor. And also to place value on the grace of God. See your pastor beyond who he presents himself to you. Because there's a grace beyond the man. There is an anointing upon the Bible said, when the day of Pentecost came, the spirit came upon them. Kadama Lotosa. The Bible also says that the spirit descended upon Jesus like a dove. So, even though he's presenting himself as a man humbly to you, something has come upon him supernaturally. And wives lose it. Sometimes husbands who are married to people, wives who have been called also lose it. They miss the two. They think being a husband is the same as (laughs) your wife can be a pastor 
And you have to have the wisdom to know when he's in. She's functioning as a pastor and when she's supposed to function as a wife. Don't bring your trivialization of spiritual matters into the church. So you saw Jesus resisting the mother. At some point in time, they say, your mother and your family is outside. He said, leave this thing. Don't bring this family matter here. When he went to the wedding of Cana, Mary went to them and said, their they are, wine is finished. He said, woman, 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 not here. When we go to the house, be mother, let me be a son. Not here. Know your place. If you are a husband and your wife has been called into the ministry and you become a deacon in that church, when you are when we are talking about matters of ministry, you need to submit yourself. Don't take the, fam- the familiarity that she's my wife. She's supposed to be submitted to me. No, she will be submitted to you when she's playing her wifey roles. But when you come into kingdom matters, you as a deacon and a church member of her church, you must submit to her as your pastor. Because you didn't call her. And the grace to pastor is different from the grace to marry. So, and there are different principles. When you are marrying, the wife must submit to you. When we are pastoring, whoever you are, you must submit to your pastor. I'm feeling it already. So when most wives lose it, you can be so close to your man of God, who is also, who also happens to be your husband. What a privilege. To, to receive a heavy duty anointing in all ramification. Your imaginations can be open. And then you lose it because I've seen his, his naked body. I, I see how much he eats. I see how much he, he is all over me when we are, oh boy, don't lose it, man. Don't lose it. Place value. People place value on the body of Jesus. Didn't you see women prepared spices? And they went to administer it to the dead body of Jesus. They recognized that, look, the dead body of Idahosa lying in state is not normal. That is why angels came to fight over the body of Moses. Because they recognized that this is not normal. <laughs> they put soldiers on the dead body of Jesus because they realized that this is not a normal dead body there. Even Eli, watch this. <laughs> Watch this very carefully. Eli who had been rejected by God. Awaiting for his replacement. Still had virtue in him. To pronounce a blessing on Hannah. For Hannah to be pregnant. Don't joke with men of God. Don't joke with your pastors. Don't become familiar. Especially when you see them having issues here and there. In the ministry you begin to feel like. It's like the thing is gone. It's not gone though. If God is not gone. The virtue is not gone. From your man of God. You need to have that wisdom. So people lose their, they lose their high esteem for their pastor. And that blocks the channel for the transfer of whatsoever treasure, virtue, anointing, power that is in them. To be a blessing unto the servant because unconsciously being familiar around your pastor, you have entered into unbelief. You are trivializing the anointing and you block yourself from receiving. So the Bible said that there, Jesus, he did many mighty works in other places. But there, where they trivialized him in his own people, where they did not honor him amongst his own people, there he couldn't do many greater works. He couldn't do much. There. So if you are that person, that becomes the there. 
Not much virtue will come to you. But when Jesus went to the other villages, super fantastic, explosive miracles were happening. The difference is the value you place on the man of God God has given you, the ministry God has given you, would determine the amount of virtue that will be dispensed unto you. Familiarity blocks you from receiving. It's like when you have a fuse blown out of your gadget, the current is running through the wires to maybe the switch, but because your fuse has been blown, and that fuse is your honor, it's your value for the anointing. It's how you are esteeming the grace of God upon the man of God. Once the fuse is blown, you see that when you plug your charger, it's not charging the phone. But there is power, there is current, there is voltage flowing. But something has died in you. So you are not receiving again. I'm feeling it already. It's a pitfall. Because when you are serving, you must be greater than your master. And to be greater than your master, you need impartation to be added to your original endowment to become a super mighty servant or a super mighty leader in the course of your ministry. So Elisha received an impartation, made him do so much more. Joshua received an impartation. So when familiarity blocks you from receiving the transfer of these virtues, all you have is what you have. And if what you have is all you have, you are going nowhere. Because no matter who you are, that's why people go to school. It's an impartation. People do apprenticeship. It's an impartation to become the person God wants you to become. If you say you don't want it, you see that you'll be so limited in how you function. Are you here with me now? So familiarity works against you. It doesn't work so much against the leader because the anointing on the leader is still there. And people who come from far, Jesus can go to any village and it will be happening. But when he comes around you, you can be dying of what is happening as a miracle in other places. But you can be dying being around the leader because of familiarity. It makes you take your eyes from the ball and you lose the ability to receive. All right. So some of the things that makes people lose the ability to receive has to do with the age of their pastor. How old is the pastor? The age of the pastor can make people lose the ability to receive. Oh, he's a small boy. He's a young girl. He's a young man. Yeah, yeah, my pastor is a young man. When that keeps ringing in your head, you are losing it. You are, I'm telling you, Jesus was 12 when he started ministry. We don't know how old Samuel was. But even Eli, a priest of God for many years, Went to somewhere and said, I beg you, tell me what God is telling you. Because God can bypass the older men and use younger men. Indeed, the end time prophecy places more premium of usage on the young men and young women than the older men. In Acts chapter 2 verse 17, is there clear? Joel 2 is there. When he said that in the last days, Joel 2, in the verse 17, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Alright? And my sons and daughters. And the young men. Then he said, old men shall now dream dreams. Hey! I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. And, the, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy live much. They shall prophesy live much. Young men shall see visions live much. Then when it comes to older men, he said they will, they will sleep before they function. But the real people will be functioning as temple. 
on, on ground will be young people prophesying and seeing vision. So if you now set aside people who can be on their feet to minister because this is how God has chosen to work, where is this world going to be? That's why the age doesn't matter. It's the grace that matters. Age of the pastor doesn't matter. It's the grace upon the life that matters because it's by divine election. It's by the selection of grace. You can't say, oh, the pastor, he can be my son. Yes, we know. But did you call him? And if God calls you to serve under him, you have to lose that age mindset. That's why we are talking about the familiarity mindset. A lot of people become familiar. Immediately they get to know the age of their pastor, they start losing it. That's why most of the time, by the glory of the Lord, God will make a pastor look older than his age. In wisdom. So that, because human beings don't really put value on what is young. They will keep unconsciously stopping themselves from being blessed, being loyal because of the age. And sometimes when you are telling them the mind of God, they come into their natural self and say, ah, why is this small boy talking to me like that? Why, why? You know, God has brought you that you serve under your pastor and he's supposed to be commanding you. He's not supposed to be doing family stuff with you. I'm not saying pastors should be disrespectful. I'm saying that when he becomes strong, you you can't use your aid to bully your pastor. But unconsciously, it can affect you. It's a pitfall. Another pitfall that makes people familiar is the background of the pastor. Like we saw in Matthew. He said, is he not a carpenter's son? Are his sisters not here? Are his brothers not here? Is this not Mary's child? Is it not this guy who was walking around? We know him here. When the wise men saw him in the manger, they could have lost it. When you dig into the background of your pastor, and when you know the background, okay, loyalty says that regardless of the background, whether he's literate, he's an illiterate pastor, if you believe God has called him for you as your pastor, you better submit totally and be loyal regardless of his background. Listen, some people cannot speak English like I'm speaking, but they are heavily anointed. Not everybody had the opportunity to go to school. Not everybody will have the opportunity to be born to noble men. Jesus was not born to noble men. But he was the son of God. I come from a very poor background. But you can't challenge the call. Alright. A classy God can use classless men to perform a class act. And that is why God is God. God is not man. So when he began to dig at the background, when they entered into his background and saw that he comes from a very lowly background, they started losing it. They lost their aura for his, it's important, they lost their, their eye for his wisdom and they lost their ability to connect to the mighty works that were around him. And so you and I must guard ourselves from these things. Then unrestrained access. When you have unrestrained access to do the work you are doing in the church, to do the things you are doing around the pastor, you can. How, how do you call yourself a PA? You call yourself somebody who is a church worker and you always allow your pastor to come earlier than you do. Your pastor is there trying to help with the setup and you are not there. And you are a praise and worship leader. 
And you are a singer. And you think that when I come, I'll just go out there. You are, you see, you are being familiar. Because this is not how you started. When you had the opportunity at first, you were running. This time when you are coming, it's like everybody should wait for me. That's disloyalty. It's a pitfall for you. It's a pitfall for you. That unrestrained access you have to do the things you do. Or unrestrained access you have to your pastor. Alright? When your pastor gives you chance. When he's chatting with you on WhatsApp. When it comes to that level, now sometimes after a while you begin to lose it. But a pastor must connect with the people. But when we connect with you, it destroys you sometimes more than it blesses you. And so that's why pastor will preach and nobody can see pastor again. By the time you know he has disappeared from a back door. Because sometimes when a pastors offer themselves unto the congregation, they crucify the pastor, they, they, they divide his clothing, they, shy, they spit on him, and they, they shout crucify him. And so they lose it that he's a savior. A pastor is a savior here on earth for the souls of men. Because he's working in the place of God. So when you have that unrestrained access and you come so closer, because when you are far, you feel like, wow, this anointing that is making people to fall. Maybe when I come closer, I will feel some tingling. No. But when you come closer and you don't feel any tingling something, you feel like, wow, uh, pastor is really... Paul said we are men of like passion. But I'm telling you we have something. So when you are around, you are serving, you have this access to your pastor's life, pastor's number, pastor's office... Don't be giving your pastor's number to people anyhow. And when you are giving it to people, it's all you can call him anytime. Who told you you can call the pastor anytime? Do you call the minister anytime? Can you call the president anytime? You can't call, you can't give, if you are a member and you are in trouble, you can call the pastor anytime or you are in some kind of a difficulty, you can call him anytime. But it shouldn't even become your practice that you, you don't care when you are calling because the pastor should rise to the... Okay. That's familiarity. You can't. You can't just pick your phone and be calling anyhow. If you are calling, it has to be important. And when you give your pastor's number to people, believing that your pastor can help them, give them also the boundaries within which they should operate. Please, my pastor doesn't pay calls before 10. So if you want to call him... You can send him a message, but call him after 10 in the morning. Because pastors are also human beings. This is loyalty. When you have this unrestrained access, and even after 11 p.m., you call and say, Pastor, I want to check up on you. What a joke. That's familiarity. Because nothing is happening. It's a joke. And it's familiarity that will make you feel like, even at that time, you can just reach out to the pastor, and it should be cool. It is not cool. It's not cool. And when you are serving, you should have this honor. You should have this aura of importance. Access. When you have access and it starts making you lose value for the anointing, lose value for who your pastor is in your life, it's a pitfall. You are entering into the pit. All right? The status of the servant, you that is a servant, your own status, the one you have from your family background and the one you keep attaining because some people come from a better background than the pastor. And then when you attain a better education than the pastor, you attain a better financial position than the pastor and all of that. You get to a point, you begin to feel like you are bigger than the space. Or you are bigger than the person God has given you as a pastor. And it is this same grace that has raised you. 
But you get to a point where you begin to feel like, you know, there should be, it should be something bigger than this, you know. Birds of the same feathers flock together. I need to go to a pastor who also has a PhD because now I'm a PhD holder. I can't be preached to by this first degree holder and all of that. As you are attaining status, that's why God said to them, when you eat and you are full in the promised land, be careful that you don't forget that I am the God that gives you the power to get wealth. Because you can easily forget where you are coming from. And feel like, okay, now that I have attained a royal status, people attain a political position and they forget that it is the grace of God upon the man of God, that particular man of God God gave them, that has preserved them and pushed them there. You don't even want to serve in the church again. You want your pastor to be addressing you as honorable. And if they don't address you as honorable in the private place, you get offended. Honorable. Even in the private place, you get offended. Why didn't you call me auntie this? Sister this? When titles begin to make you try to control the space with your pastor, when you become offended because your pastor is not giving you an, an is not according a particular title you have, you are losing it. It's a pitfall. Your title can become your pitfall. Your attainment, your, the status you attain can become a pitfall for your disloyalty. And when that starts entering into your heart, you have to know that, look, it is familiarity dealing with you. You don't tell leadership to start according you all these things. Even though when it is necessary, especially in public functions and all of that, a leader must uphold what a servant has attained legitimately in service and in other areas. But in private relationship, in a house, local church relationship, I mean, they cast down their crown, the 24 elders and the four creatures. They cast down their crowns before the throne of God. And they bow down to worship. For your worship to be spiritual, to be meaningful, to be productive, you must drop your crown, your accolade, your title, your status. If you want it to be like what is in heaven, between you and your pastor, between you and your church, drop that title. Drop it. Drop that status. They cast down their crown first before they offer their worship. And we have learned here that the worship is your service. Servanthood must be devoid of titles. Devoid of titles and accolades and bigmanism. You know, so when your status starts increasing, familiarity and then finally ignorance is the greatest thing that makes someone familiar. Ignorance. They will make you familiar. When you are ignorant of what I am telling you, it will make you so familiar. And when you become too familiar, you lose the ability to connect with virtue, the grace to be able to serve. I think today, I'm just going to drop it at familiarity. You lose it. I'm going to teach you four things, at least from here. But a pitfall for every true servant will be familiarity. Once you have it, ignorance. When you are ignorant on how to manage yourself in the, in the palace, this is a position, it's a privilege that great men have sought. Wise men have sought. God has given it to you by grace. And you are trying to mess it up with familiarity. 
Oh, Pastor Francis is my friend. Oh, he's my very, very good friend. I'm your friend. Your pastor is your friend. Your pastor is not your friend. Your pastor is your pastor. Even if your father, biological father, becomes your friend, keeping that mentality of friendship will make you dishonor him one day. Because your greater wisdom is to know that beyond his friendship with you is the fact that he is your father. <laughs> He's not your friend. So your pastor can be friendly and every pastor should be friendly with his members. But let your wisdom make you know that he is not your friend. Don't keep him at friend level. Because you can misbehave to a friend. But you find it difficult misbehaving to a father. You find it difficult misbehaving to a leader, to a pastor, to your MD. When you say, oh, the MD is my friend. And they say, oh, Kojo, Kojo is my friend. <laughs> ah, la, la. You are about to be in a trouble, a pit that nobody will be able to save you. So don't lose it. Ignorance. That is why we give you opportunity to listen to the podcast. You should open yourself to receiving messages like this. Because when you even have a good heart, until you are taught, how shall a man know this except another man teaches him? You have to be taught how to be loyal, how to escape traps. Do you know soldiers are taught how to make their warfare? Do you know they are taught how to detect landmines? In, in landmine prone areas. And how to even detonate one. When they step into it. When you step into dangerous zones. As a servant. As a true servant. Do you see that this thing that is coming up in my heart. Is dangerous. Is familiarity that is boiling up. Let me check this thing. Do you really recognize it? Or you are an ignorant soldier. Are you an ignorant servant? So you just go on and on and on. And then you go and describe even the manger. The way the place is very dirty. Wow. How can, how can a man of God say he's a man of God and he's in this manger? How can he be born a king and he's in a manger, not in a palace? What is happening to the inn? That he's not in the inn, that he's in the manger. If he's really anointed, he should be in the inn, not in the manger. The truth of the matter is that sometimes the inn is full. And the only space the man of God can operate from is the manger. And that's why the Bible says that despise not smaller beginnings because your ending shall greatly increase. So it takes spiritual wisdom and spirituality, sensitivity, discernment to be able to know that even though our church is at this level, my pastor is at this level, he is headed for a greater place, for a glorious place. And he's going to be greater. And watch it, how beautiful it is. To know that when they were replacing the apostle that was me, he said that, for these are the men who have been with us from the beginning. How beautiful it is that 20 years after the ministry you joined, you will still be counted as one of the people who have been with the pastor and the minister right from the beginning. Some people have, they don't have stickability. And what makes you become unstable as water as a servant is because sometimes of your ignorance. So familiarity is a killer of your destiny. When you become familiar, the anointing that is working for everyone, mighty work, it doesn't work for you. It doesn't work for you again. That's what happened to Gehazi. He was holding the rod of the master and nothing happened. Kai, malakutanama lagada. But Elisha was not him. He took the cloth of his master and you see, Gehazi had a rod. It didn't work. 
He was even familiarity was making him steal around the master. Collecting things from people, things he was not supposed to collect. Ignorantly, he caught leprosy. I'm telling you, familiarity will make your destiny sick. And when he was giving a rod to heal, he couldn't. The power didn't flow. A rod from the master. You see, and all that time, he has seen his master use the rod to do many miracles. In fact, not only church people. Moses also used it. In Egypt, the magicians also had rods. So a rod was a known tool for doing miracles. He got it, he couldn't perform. Because of familiarity. But look at Elisha. He placed so much value on the pastor and his man of God and his relationship with the man of God that he saw that that relationship could give him a double portion. And so when he also had a material from the master, a material that was not known to be used for signs and wonders, such as the, the garment of the man of God at that time, he, he, by the virtue of the value, the honor, and the respect he placed on the anointing of the man of God, when the cloth of Elijah fell, he took it and he placed value on it. He threw away his own garment and he struck the Jordan and the Jordan opened. That's the difference. That's the difference. And I'm telling you, your pastor will try to draw you closer because you must see things. So that you can grow. But as they draw you closer, don't allow the spirit of familiarity to overtake you. Because when it overtakes you, it's going to destroy you. And I'm praying today that the spirit of familiarity will not make you become disloyal. That's when your pastor will call you, I want to see you in the next 30 minutes. You take three hours to come. Because familiarity, I say, what can he do? And you come with excuses in your head. Knowing that, look, nothing will happen. Nothing do harm. Listen to me. If you are a true servant, be very, very careful. Every servant around your pastor, you must be running. Running, fixing things, making things happen. When you enter into familiarity, you don't become proactive. You don't build excellence to make the ministry of your pastor. You are supposed to dress the ministry of your pastor with your gift and talent and service. But familiarity will make you Adam and Eve feel like you too. You are important. But you are not important. Because by the time you know that God is the one who is important, you will know that your familiarity was a voice from the devil. And that voice will make you lose the garden that was originally given to you. And you will enter into a world of sweat, thorns and thistles, a world of murder, and a world that will make you have pain to deliver things. May you escape familiarity in the mighty name of Jesus. May you escape today by the power of the Holy Spirit. I pray that every true servant, may God give you the mindset, the mindset that avoids familiarity, the mindset that avoids being trivializing and normalizing spiritual matter, spiritual virtue. I pray for the grace. Kenua Salida. Begin to pray right now. Father, give me the wisdom to escape the trap of familiarity, to escape the pitfall of familiarity. Give me the wisdom. Give me the wisdom. Give me the wisdom now. Let me Anna and let me Kai Yalika Barazolia 
under the position, the standard opportunity, even to serve at this point in time with my pastor and in this particular church. Let me see the glory. Let me see the honor. Let me see the privilege that you have bypassed kings, noble men. Pray to God. I pray for the wisdom. I pray for the grace. I pray for the wisdom to have the thinking cup, the wisdom, the sensitivity, the spirituality, the discernment. Hey, Shalaba, to still be surprised by my pastor when I see him, to still hold the aura of importance, to still uphold his wisdom, to still tap into the virtue for mighty works. Kanua Lamada Keleza, Jetelebrediga, that my pastor is not normal. My church is not normal. What I'm doing in the church is not normal. It's a divine assignment. Give me the wisdom to obtain and to, to manage the aura around my work I do in the church and not to lose it. Not to lose it. Not to lose it. In the name of Jesus. Not to lose the wisdom of my pastor for me. Wisdom in his words. Wisdom in his instruction. Wisdom in his direction. The wisdom I can learn for being around him. Let me not lose it. Let me not lose the ability to connect with the anointed. I refuse to be like Gehazi. I pray that I will be like Elisha. In the mighty name of Jesus. Unto my pastor. Around my pastor. In the ministry. In the mighty name of Jesus. Jesus, Father, kill the ignorance that makes me canosa. Any exposure that makes me build familiarity, Father, kill it in my heart. Give me a heart of a true servant, a heart that upholds spiritual things and values spiritual things and receives virtue thereof from them. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. The first thing that can make you break the scale of the trap and the pit of familiarity is having the ability to discern spiritually. And that ability to discern spiritual things, because the Bible says spiritual things are spiritually discerned, is first and foremost your willingness to accept Jesus into your life. When you accept Jesus into your life, the Holy Spirit rejuvenate, regenerate your spirit man to have the sensibility and the sensitivity and the wisdom to connect first with God and to be able to value what must be valued spiritually. We call it discernment. You have been listening to the testimony word broadcast from the Keepers House Chapel International. Locate us at Madina Estate, Accra, off the social welfare road between the Gulf Lane Station and Vawan Washing Bay. Follow us on Facebook at the Keeper's House Chapel International. Podcast and audio rima at Reverend Francis Auburn. Visit our website at www.keepershousechapel.org. One word. For further information, call 0244 877 or 0277-532-360. Join us on Sundays at 7 a.m. for the first service, 9.30 a.m. for the second service, and 11.30 a.m. for the third service. On Wednesdays at 6 p.m. for our midweek and communion service. And on Saturdays at 6.30 a.m. for our morning flavor prayer services. Experiencing Jesus, Bethany Ministries.